Welcome to the See the Miracle podcast. I'm your host, Brady Murray. And I'm your co-host, Andrea Murray. Our podcast will feature inspiring guests within the special abilities community. Together, we will be sharing how families and communities are rising up and seeing the miracle of individuals with special abilities. That's something to be proud of. That's a life you can hang your head on. Hi, welcome back. We're excited to be here again this week to talk a little bit more about Cooper and our adoption experience with Cooper. This has been a lot of fun. This is the part three of a three-part series with our podcast where we talked about the process of deciding to adopt and how we chose Cooper and then our experience in China adopting Cooper. Now we're going to be talking about our experience these last five years and bringing him home. Yes. So I think when we left off, we had just landed in the Salt Lake City Airport with Cooper and we were bringing him to meet his family. Family, his siblings and his extended family that was able to be there. And that was a really exciting time. We had to do rock, paper, scissors to see who got to carry Cooper down the escalator. (laughs) That's one really neat thing about the old Salt Lake City Airport is they have this area where everybody that is greeting you or that is there to see you is kind of roped off and you have this escalator that comes down. So it's almost like this grand entrance of you coming down and it's kind of slow motion. And so as I actually won the rock, paper, scissors, so I got to hold Cooper and we, uh, we were going there and I remember it was a little bit nerve-wracking but also a very exciting time because I just didn't know how everybody was going to react in particular Cooper's siblings and so as we were uh, nearing that uh, that escalator maybe you can share this part hon. Sure so I was a couple steps ahead of Brady and Cooper. Brady was holding Cooper in his arms and we start going down the escalator and see our kids and at that point was the longest time that we had ever been away from our children and so it was really exciting and Nash just saw us and they kind of had, um, it roped off where, you know, like the crowd would stand behind so that people could have room to come off the escalator. And Nash just went underneath the barrier and he came running toward the escalator with his arms out and saying, my Cooper, my Cooper. And he was more excited to see Cooper than his mom, I think. So I was a little surprised about that, but it was a good surprise. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite pictures of all time is actually a picture of Nash at the bottom of the escalator and us at the top coming down and him holding his arms out. And I just remember him yelling, my Cooper, my Cooper. And he was so excited to be able to give Cooper a hug. Yeah, it was awesome. And it it was really cool to um, be able to have some of those experiences captured on film. We had a good friend, Amy Croft, who came and took pictures of the whole thing. So that is neat to be able to have those pictures. I'm sure we can link some of those to the podcast. But yeah, that was a really incredible experience. And um, it's just kind of been like that ever since we had that that first moment where um, Nash was just so attached to Cooper and so excited and all of our children were they were all so excited to see him and have just taken that taken Cooper under their wing and really been um, you know just the, the bonding um, happened really fast I would say and yep. has been a positive we got home we flew in in the evening we got home and everybody put on their PJs and we went to bed we were all very tired and I remember waking up the next day and all the other kids were awake and excited to be able to like play with Cooper. And uh, it was kind of like Christmas morning actually. And we all get up and I told the kids like, you got to let Cooper sleep. Like he's super tired. It's been a long trip. And so we just started to let him sleep. And he had been sleeping like 12 hours and mm-hmm. he was still like out. Like I remember <laughs> going in on and checking on him because I'm like, is he okay? Cause he is like not moved in 12 hours and he slept until almost noon the next day. It was like yeah. 16 hours that he slept before he finally woke up. Yes. And then when he woke up, 
um, you know, he was in his pajamas and just waking up and everybody else had just been waiting for him. And I remember it was really funny. Like Brady was like, let's take him out in the backyard and shoot the bow and arrow. And Brindley <laughs> wanted to show him her bunnies and everybody wanted to just show him like what they were excited about. And so he got up and started just kind of working through everybody's things that they wanted to show him. It was so cute. And something about Cooper is he's game for anything, anytime. He is a life of the party boy. And so anything that you want to have him try, he's going to be totally down to try. Mm -hmm. And he's definitely an extrovert. He's not introverted at all. <laughs> so that's kind of an awesome thing. Um, so yeah, we, some of the, the fun things, you know, there were like quirky things and fun things and just different things that we noticed um, with having him home. And I remember like one of the things we kind of had to adjust to is after that really long sleep in that he had, then he decided to start getting up pretty early in the morning and he would either he or Nash would usually be like the first of the children to wake up. And whenever Cooper woke up first, like you would know because you would hear all the lights start turning on. You'd hear the little in pop of the switch room. in every room and Cooper would get up and he would go through the house and turn on every single light in the house. And we never could figure out why he would do that, <laughs> but we would just call him our child of light because he just wanted all the lights on and it was just kind of a funny funny thing that he did another thing he did for a lot of years is anytime he saw a bed that was made he would go climb in it and he would like he'd go knock off the pillows knock all the pillows the off <laughs> climb in the bed he just couldn't couldn't handle seeing a bed made yeah he had some funny things and then he still does this actually where he today when he gets in bed and goes to sleep he pulls the covers over his head he loves having the covers over his head for some reason yeah it's kind of a unique thing i've actually heard other adopted parents that have shared that that their child um sleeps with the covers over their head and so i don't know it's probably it could a be an orphanage related thing. thing or something i don't mm -hmm. know yep, but definitely. yeah he's He's been way fun. And do you want to share like some of the other? Yeah. Something that's, of... that's unique about Cooper is like Cooper still holds on to his Chinese heritage. Like he loves. Oh, he loves being everything China. China. Anytime we see anything Chinese, the Chinese flag or anything that he recognizes as Chinese. He's like, oh, my Chinese yeah. <laughs> is what he tries to say. It's so cute. Yep. And, and Nash and, loves it too. Yep. Nash for many years. In fact, he still occasionally does this, but anytime we meet somebody new, Nash takes it upon himself to introduce his little brother as this is Cooper from China. And he always says yeah. China, <laughs> yeah. Cooper, China, Cooper, China, Cooper, China. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He sure loved to tell people that, especially in the beginning, which was really funny. Yep. Another funny thing that I remember with Cooper in the beginning is in China, and this is actually not a not a bad thing, I think, but like they don't have diapers for their kids. And so their kids learn to be potty trained like super, super young. And so in any given park, at any given place, you'll always see these kids just whenever they need to go pee, they're just going to pull down their pants and they're going to go pee. And sometimes the adults too. And sometimes the adults. <laughs> <laughs> but Cooper, for the longest time, for multiple years, we'd be at like a church barbecue, we'd be at a family event, whatever it we'd is. We'd be at a, like a school event outside doing yep. the fun run or whatever, or at one of the kids' sporting events. Anytime that we were there and he needed to go pee, he just pull his pants down and go pee anytime that he yeah. felt like doing yeah. it. Yeah. It took a little while for him to get used to trying to go into the bathroom to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Something as well in looking back at um, just kind of his tendencies and unique things about it is I think this also is related to the orphanage, but Cooper 
he uh, he will sneak food. Like I consider him my most street smart child of anybody. And so we have a rule in our house that no food outside of the kitchen. But it's not uncommon for us to find food like tucked oh, away in different always, places. Always, yeah. Under Cooper's pillow. Under or his bed. Under his bed. Under the couch cushions. Under the couch. Like, <laughs> like he's always sneaking food. He's, he's kind he's of a super, little pack rat that way. Super crafty that way. And he's got competition with six other siblings on which channel they want to watch. And so Cooper will always go and hide the controller. And yeah, so he hides the remote He a does lot. not like to let his <laughs> siblings have control over that. So when he's done watching TV, he's going to go hide the controller and then when he wants to watch it he's gonna go find it again <laughs> yeah. he'll also uh steal some of like the video game controllers or just different things he just likes to have control of that so yep and he knows how to do it so it works out for him <laughs> and then i guess it's probably important to point out like when he came home he was four years old and mason our youngest son at the time was 18 months old but i felt a lot like in the beginning we had twins because developmentally they were a lot on the same page because cooper had spent so much time in the orphanage that he had a lot of like exploring and catching up to do that way just as far as like figuring out what everything was and you know and he was in a new home in a new place and so I felt like he and Mason just became instant buddies like they were almost like little twins where like one would see the other do something and they would follow and they were constantly like up on the covers and pulling stuff out and just getting into mischief just trying to you know just being curious about everything and um you know they got in trouble sometimes like one time I remember specifically that was pretty bad was they got Sharpie markers and they were in the basement and I don't know where they got the Sharpie markers, but they wrote all over the kitchenette and the cupboards and the wall. And I mean like all over the place before, like, I bet they were, like they were probably, <laughs> I don't know if they were there for hours. They were probably there for like a half an hour at least just working constantly like the whole time. <laughs> and so by the time we found him, that was a pretty hard thing to clean up. But I do remember coming home from work in those first few months and even multiple years. And that was a trying time for Andrea as a mother because it, Cooper and it Mason. It was a little stressful. They literally would just get into things and I would be like cleaning up one mess thinking, you know, I was getting it done and I would turn around and I'd be like, oh no, what's happening now? Like they would always be into another mess. And Cooper is like, anytime he does something like that, he still thinks it's just hilarious. Like he just loves it and thinks, loves the attention that comes from it. So yeah, he's pretty funny. And another time, this was probably the worst one for me personally, was they got into the paint. I had like tool paint that I had been using and it was an, in, a, in a bin in a closet upstairs, like away from where they usually were. But somehow they got that, they got upstairs, they got out of the bin and they just started dumping the paint out, squeezing the paint out of those bottles and putting their hands in it. And we, I went upstairs and there was like a handprint on the back of the chair and all over my desk and my computer. And we had just gotten new carpet and there was red paint squirted out all over the carpet. And I remember of like, of course it was the red. Paint. I just like lost it when I saw that. Cause I was like, there's no way that we are ever going to be able to clean this up. And we never did get it all cleaned up, but, <laughs> but we, but I remember I just like broke down. I was like crying. I was like yelling at the boys. I'm like, what are you doing? And I was just like, so mad at them. And I remember just like, I just like grappled them and I set them up on the kitchen counter. And like, I didn't even know like what to do with them. I was just so angry. And I remember like, in my anger, I just had this, like this thought or this, like this image come to my mind of this old Chinese man just being like, just be patient with him, you know, just be gentle with him. And it totally like kind of caught me by surprise and caught me off guard. But it was awesome because I was like, 
okay, like they're, that probably is like Cooper's grandpa or somebody. And they want me to know that like, I'm not doing this alone. And it was actually really a comforting thing to me, but I still remember I was really frustrated, upset. And I called Brady and I was like crying and I'm like, guess what the boys did. And like, I'm never going to be able to clean this up. Like red paint does not come out of stuff. And Brady was like, well, call a carpet cleaner and have somebody come work on the carpets. And then you just start working on the other stuff. And so we did that and, you know, we got it cleaned up. I mean, we had pink carpet after that, but we, we, for the most part, got it pretty cleaned up. So Well, I, I think that's a really good segue into some of these experiences that we've had in adopting. And, you know, I, I definitely feel a connection to Cooper's family. I've never met any of Cooper's family, but I feel a connection there. And I feel like it's, yeah, a, sure. it's a joint experience in raising this child. Um, whether that's individuals that are uh, still alive and on this earth and are thinking about Cooper and 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 wishing the well the best you know best that they can for Cooper and probably unknown of of his circumstances, but also those who have passed on. I genuinely genuinely believe that they have a hand in Cooper's life and that they're an active part of Cooper's life. And I remember you sharing that experience with me about that image that came to your mind of uh, what appears to be Cooper's grandfather or maybe his great grandfather that cares and loves for him very much so. That was a tender mercy. It, um, in our second podcast, I remember we were talking about when we took Cooper back to the place in China where uh, he was abandoned on that street corner when he was abandoned as a baby where the police and the, and the local authorities found him. And we went back to that exact same place. And I remember some of that animosity that I had built up there and just thinking like, this child is amazing. Like how could a mother, how could a father, how could a family member just leave that child here? And we came home, we got home in April. And um, a month later, it was Mother's Day and it was Sunday morning and I was in my office at my house, at the house and it was early and I was just pondering and just thinking a little bit about Cooper and actually that experience came to my mind of when we were there in China and I had the most warm feeling um, come over me and just a, a complete peace and like a genuinely just a tender mercy come over me as I pondered that experience and I realized in that moment that that sacrifice, that decision by Cooper's mother to allow him to be able to be placed into an orphanage was something that just came very um, guided. I felt like it was something that was inspired. And I also felt very strongly that she did that um, as, a, as a sacrifice for her son, like with a hope that she would, that he would be able to find a better life. And I felt like she was inspired to be able to do so. And I also just felt that, that anguish that she must have felt in having to leave him and knowing uh, that she wasn't ever going to see him again. And I felt that anguish that she experiences right now and not knowing what her son is experiencing or what has happened to her son. And I remember just all those floods of emotions. It was a very, very emotional time for me and hearing that and feeling that. But I also felt just this extreme sense of gratitude for her willingness to follow like those promptings that are coming in her heart to be able to do that. Because Cooper has been the source of much, much joy for our family, but he's also been the source of much joy for our community, for our extended family. And I also believe his story is an inspiration and a sense, a source of inspiration for other families who may be considering adopting and being able to go and give a child like Cooper a chance at life and that connection that is there. And so 
So I will say I, I look forward to the day that I get to meet Cooper's family. It may not be in this life, but I do believe in the next life we will have the chance to meet one another and, and together we'll get to continue to raise our son, that it's a joint effort, that it's not just Andrea and I, but it's going to be all of Cooper's family that we're going to continue to help raise him and help him to realize his full potential. So yeah, that will, that will be an awesome day. We're looking forward to that and hoping that we will someday get to meet his, his family, his biological family. And, um, that will be a really neat experience. And even, you know, like we just never know, like the miracles that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there is the 23andMe DNA testing that is very popular in Asia. And so yeah. as soon as Cooper is old enough to do that, you know, we'll definitely do that. And who knows, like maybe someday we will be able to find his family. And how old does he have to be to do that? 11 oh. or 11 or 13. I can't remember. I actually Coming bought the right test up. and we tried it, but he was too young. Yep. So super excited to be able to do that. And who knows, like with technology, the way it is, there may be a time in our life that we do get to meet somebody from his family. Never know. That'd be awesome. That would be pretty awesome. I will say that I do want to go. I want to go to China. I want to take Cooper back to China for sure and take our other kiddos back to China with him. So yeah, that that would be be an amazing experience. Yep. Very good. So any, any advice or counsel that you'd give to a family who's considering adopting or maybe at a place right now where they feel something in their heart, but it's also not logical. It doesn't make a ton of sense on why yeah, you would, would do that. Yeah, I would say, you know, um, Cooper's been home for six years now. And, you know, seven years ago at this time, it seemed like pretty scary. And like, we just would, ha- you know, had no idea really what it would be like or what to expect, except for that we just kind of felt in our hearts that it was the right thing. And it has absolutely been incredible. It's been so amazing you know, of course there have been like those hard moments. Like, like I just shared a couple that, you know, were really like tried my patience, but overall it's just incredible to see the influence that he has had on people. I mean, he's only 10 years old now, but he like, he's just a light everywhere we go. And people are so drawn to him and so attracted to him. In fact, one of one one other funny story we have is a couple of years ago, we went to St. George on spring break and there was like a community pool in the area that we were staying. And so all of us went down to the pool and it was kind of cold. And so like most of the people, they had this giant hot tub and most of the people were in the hot tub. So (laughs) my, my kids were like kind of playing in the pool and having fun in the pool. And Cooper just saw all these people over in the hot tub. So he gets out and he goes over to the hot tub and he gets in the hot tub. And like five minutes later, I look over and he has every single person in that hot tub, just like hanging on his every word. And nobody could even really understand what he was telling him, but you know, he was just so dramatic and telling him this big story. And he just wanted like everyone's attention. He was just kind of demanding that everybody watch him and all eyes were on him. And he was just telling this big story and kind of, you know, he loves to like act out and do charades and he's very dramatic that way. And he's he's fun to watch because he gets so into character. And it was just so funny to watch him. And I remember like we, after we left, we went back to our little condo place and all all of my other kids were like, like, how did Cooper do that? And they're, they're like, everybody was watching him and everybody was listening to him. And loving it. it was just so cute. And it's just a talent that he has where he just very easily makes friends and he's never intimidated to go up to people and say, hi, you know, what's your name? What's your name? <laughs> hi, Cooper. And he, like, he tries to tell him. And sometimes, you know, his English hasn't been the greatest. I mean, he's, he's still continually making improvements, but he's, he's never let that stop him or hold him back. He's just always so good to go up and communicate with people and give people a pat on the back or a hug. And 
he has no no problem making friends. In fact, we just went to a birthday party for my grandma last weekend at a park, and we had all, all like my family and extended family there, and Cooper was there with us, and we I start looking around, where's Cooper? And I can't see him, and I look over at this other family that was kind of on the other side, and there's Cooper right in the middle of their family gathering, and he's flying their little airplanes that they brought and just having a good time with them. (laughs) So we're just laughing because he he definitely just has this talent for making new friends, and people are so have you know our experience has just been that people have been so good and so loving and accepting to him, and he's He's super cute. So he's got some best friends. So Nash in our church group, Nash is part of the fourteen and and or thirteen and fourteen year old group. And they have dances occasionally with, you know, other kids their age. And I remember a few months ago where they were at a dance and Nash's friend group. So all of the kids that are 14, 15 years old, one of them called me and said, Hey, is it okay if Cooper comes to this dance with us? We really want Cooper to come here. And it's like, are you serious? A little 10 year old going to the dance with these 14 and 15 year olds, but that's just how much they love him. I, and I think it's probably because they feel a little awkward at those dances maybe, but Cooper, like he just takes all the awkwardness away he and he's just such a friendly kid and just gets into things and allows people to do the same. It's kind of fun. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And so we've shared a little bit on this. We'll share a lot more in the future, but this is the rise up movement. We really are just trying to create a a voice for individuals who are entrusted with this special ability. And we feel like those individuals that the world would deem as disabled or otherwise having special needs is incorrectly described by doing it or by saying it that way. By calling it a disability. Yep. We feel like it's more accurately described as a special ability. And this is something that is near and dear to Andrea's heart. This is really a big purpose of our podcast. You'll hear as well where we talk about adoption. And for 10 years now, Andrea and I have been running a nonprofit called Rod's Heroes, which the purpose of Rod's Heroes is to inspire families to answer the call to adopt a child with Down syndrome. And so far we've had 67 children get adopted over these last 10 years. And we're aware of many, many other children that are desperately in need of a family to answer that call. So we'd encourage you to check out Rod's Heroes if this is something that you are possibly feeling called to do as well. But we appreciate you tuning in and we appreciate your support. We're excited to be able to continue this podcast. And as always, we encourage you to leave a review and we'd love to have a five-star review if you think it, we, it, warrants, uh, the, or it warrants that with the content that we're providing. You can also follow us on our Instagram account at Rise Up Heroes. So thanks yep, for joining thanks in. Thanks for tuning in. Let me tell you right now. That's something to be proud of.